Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Dr. Anonymous Show 153, our guest coming up will be EMS podcaster and educator Greg Fries. He's involved with uh, many social media projects like Everyday EMS Tips at blog and website, also the EMS EDU Education Podcast. So we'll be talking about that and a lot more coming up on the Dr. Anonymous Show starting right now. Bringing you the best that medicine and social media have to offer, this is the Dr. Anonymous Show live on a Thursday night right here on the Block Talk Radio Network. I am, of course, your favorite physician host. My name is Mike, but my friends, like all of you out there, you call me Dr. Aid, and you can always find me at DrAnonymous.com. That brings you the most current show schedule. We have some great guests coming up uh, this month in March. Also some uh, uh, blog posts. I haven't been blogging that much. I have to catch up on that. <laughs> but you can read some old blog posts over there. And also some TV interviews I've done with some local TV uh, stations here. So I'm very excited about that. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 181 Facebook fans. I very much appreciate it. Next, I'll also give you some uh, exclusive behind-the-scenes video of me doing this show and also some video of me recently um, at a conference, the uh, huge health IT conference in Atlanta about uh, 10 days ago called HIMS. I'll be posting up some more uh, exclusive videos there only at DrAnonymous.net. You can also go to uh, DrAnonymous.org. That brings you right to my iTunes page where you can subscribe to this show and also leave a comment over there. I would appreciate that. You can also listen in real time uh, to this show on your iPhone or BlackBerry. I know you're out there. I very much appreciate that. Today is Thursday, March 11, 2010. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. And temperature here at broadcast time at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters is 64 degrees Fahrenheit. It went up to almost 70 degrees here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. Very excited about that. Our guest coming up will be EMS podcaster and educator Greg Fries reading his LinkedIn page. He is president and owner at Emergency Preparedness Systems, LLC, in Wausau, 
Wisconsin area. Continuing reading, uh, developing e-learning programs for emergency responders that are engaging, educational, and entertaining, writing, blogging, and podcasting for emergency response audiences as well as general readers, published in EMS Magazine, GEMS, J-E-M-S, SilentSportsEMS1.com, EMSResponder.com, and many other websites and publications. Also, the editor and publisher at EverydayEMSTips.com and co-host at the EMS Education Podcast, EMS EDU Cast. But first, before bringing him on the show, I would like to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the show again this evening on their front page. Welcome to those of you who are new to the show. I have been a, a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician here in private practice, full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. If you're listening live, you can see my smiling face on the webcam here this evening. For those of you who are new to the show, just go to the top of the chat room, click the webcam icon, and you can see me doing the show live before you rise. But yes, there is a delay between the video feed and the audio feed, so don't uh, let that scare you. Uh, before we go to the break, I do want to give a big shout-out to everyone in the chat room. And if you are waiting to get in the chat room, I know uh, sometimes Blog Talk Radio has uh, takes its good old time getting people into the chat room here. So if you're waiting to come in, uh, uh, be patient. You will get here. I want to give a big shout-out to Fire Critic. Our guest is in there. And, uh, and an unregistered guest, I would encourage the guest to register. And you can chat along and make fun of me during the show. How exciting would that be? We have Liz, we have Ramona, we have J-Man, we have Epi Junkie, and we have another guest in there. So thank you all for joining us, and there will be more filtering in. I do want to also thank all the retweets out there for the show here this evening. I very much appreciate that. Must be very excited to bring on Greg to the show here. So I will take my break, and we will bring on the great Greg Freese, you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show, a proud member of the Better Health Network. You can get there by going to GetBetterHealth.com, and a proud member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com, and we will be right back. That's right, blowing your blood pressure one point at a time. This is the Dr. Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. On the line we have with us right now, Greg Fries. Welcome to the show there, Greg. Hey, Dr. Anonymous, thanks so much for having me. Usually I have a real beef with uh, radio personalities that uh, talk over 
the music, especially a classic tune from Guns N' Roses. But uh, this time I'll let it go because I'm just so thrilled to be talking to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, so, um, so why don't we just start out by from people who who don't know you, and I don't know who, who don't know you. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about your uh, your professional uh, background, um, and then we'll just kind of start from there. Sure. Well, I, I'm glad I keep my LinkedIn profile fairly up to date because uh, you captured a, a big part of it there. You know, I've done a couple different things. Uh, you know, that uh, Guns N' Roses song actually coincided with the year I graduated high school. So in the past uh, 21 years, a few different things. I was in the summer camp industry for most of the 90s, and that's where I got started, you know, with uh, becoming first aid certified, and then I became a first responder and what's called a wilderness first responder because I was leading kids on – uh, trips in the backcountry for Camp Manitouche YMCA, uh, long sea kayaking and canoeing expeditions. And then after that, I went to work full-time for the camp in, in way far northern Wisconsin, and I thought I'd like to get involved with the community and join the fire department. And that's when I took uh, EMT basic training. And a lot of the work I was doing at the camp had to do with staff training and adult education. And so it was a real I guess, natural transition to start teaching uh, first aid and CPR once I became an EMT, and I was just enjoying it so much that I became a paramedic in 2005, and along the way, I've just done uh, lots of classroom instruction, as well as uh, my main focus is creating online education content for paramedics and firefighters and hospital personnel. Uh, which ranges from narrated flash movies to podcasts like this, blog posts, articles. Uh, I find myself writing lots and lots of quiz questions for uh, different online learning programs. I'm a, a kind of a hired gun for people that want to do an online program. And they say, Greg, we need 20 quiz questions about this article. Go. Uh, so it's a, a bunch of different things. And in this last, I guess, 15 months, I've really uh, – dove into social media, and I did some podcasting a few years ago uh, when I was coordinating a regional trauma advisory council, but just, uh, I think I was getting, I don't even remember how I, somebody said, oh, you should get the helperreporter.com emails, and then uh, the guy Peter Shankman was talking about Twitter all the time, and so I decided to I started a Twitter account, and then the floodgates opened, and uh, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and different Ning networks, and then starting up a podcast with uh, Chris Montera uh, when you know he had the EMS Garage going, and I said, well, we need one about education, and he said, go for it. Let's do the EMS Educast. So that's been quite a ride, a lot of fun, and just, uh, just the really neat people I've been able to meet in this last year and a half. Uh, it's just been really interesting and exciting. Well, why don't we uh, back up a little bit because I, I, I'm really kind of curious about um, what kind of things kind of drew you towards, like even going back to the fire service, or drew you towards becoming a paramedic. What what kind of uh, um, did you have a lot of positive influences in that? Did you have people in your family um, in one of those services? Uh, how did you kind of get drawn in those directions? Well. You know, um, it wasn't a family thing. My, you know, well, I have a grandmother and a mom that were nurses, and then I, you know, my wife is actually a nurse now. The, 
the, you know, I think while well, I was in Boy Scouts, and so I did the whole first aid merit badge thing, um, and, you know, because I was working for the summer camp, I was involved in the first aid and the wilderness first aid, and, you know, such a big component when you're in the backcountry is prevention and, you know, something I believe real strongly in, you know, personally, but also, like, as a trip leader, trying to prevent people from becoming ill or injured, and then, and when I was living in Boulder Junction, you know, a really small town in northern Wisconsin, uh, you know, I was kind of isolated working out there at, a, at the camp. Uh, so it was a, a way to just get involved with the community by taking EMT class. And I knew some other people I worked with were EMTs on the fire department. So I, I wanted to give that a go. And, you know, I actually did go to one uh, firefighter class, like one session. And... Uh, you know, it was, again, I had to drive like 45 minutes to get there, and uh, it was just enough to make me say, you know what, like, I don't need to go into burning buildings and uh, do that kind of work, especially with the great infrequency with which they would happen in that rural of an area. Uh, so it was just uh, just the, the EMS thing, and, uh, you know, I think as I got more involved, I've had a couple of physicians that I've worked with that have really opened some doors for me in terms of doing different education projects. And, you know, I guess that sort of set the hook of um, just a way I could engage with adult education and, and helping people out. What, what, uh, what, what do you enjoy so much about uh, uh, being an educator? Because uh, reading your reading your blog and, and listening to your podcast, um, you know, really – um, yeah, very gifted as far as the teaching component, education component. Um, what do you like about it so much? Well, I, I appreciate those kind words. You know, the uh, some of my earliest memories of my father uh, were him saying anything he would say would sometimes be, oftentimes be prefaced with, can I make a suggestion? So I came from this uh, family background of unsolicited advice and commentary and suggestions. And so I, I've inherited that gift from my dad. And so, you know, using that as a family motto and, and just being willing to to share and, you know, it, it, the really interesting thing about blogging is it's just so easy. You get an idea, an idea flashes through my head, and I can type something up and put it out there, and if it, if it gets some traction and it's interesting to people, that's terrific, and if it, it doesn't, uh, you know, so be it. Uh, but, you know, it's just given me this uh, opportunity to be like my dad and say, can I make a suggestion, and then talk about something like uh, patient assessment or splinting or driving while distracted, for example. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, All right. So I'm as, not going to let the show pass. No, I know. I, I have it on my notes here, so we'll we'll, okay. we'll get into that. So yeah. So for people who don't know who uh, um, who uh, <laughs> uh, haven't been following at Twitter the last couple of days, uh, Greg's going to bust me on uh, on uh, uh, driving distracted, but we'll I'll tease the audience and we'll talk about it later. Um, awesome. <laughs> um, so as far as uh, I, I guess uh, I'm fascinated by this education point. Um, so do you have, um, uh, and I know it's probably um, in your literature somewhere there. As far as um, I know, you have specific tips on uh, content. 
Um, but I guess, um, you know, because I, I, I teach medical students too, and, and uh, sometimes I try to impart some of my knowledge on, onto them. But uh, uh, do, do you have any kind of suggestions or tips kind of in general on um, it just just a style or or you know, a, a kind of a method on you know, what what you think are um, effective ways to uh, educate students. Well, that's a good question, and I, you know I think of course it's going to vary based on the, the content and the audience and sort of the, the setting. You know, for me, um, you know it starts with. You know, I guess it starts with a couple things. One is just making sure I, I have some idea of what I want to talk about or present or teach, and then having confidence in my ability to present that. And then uh, one of my mentors actually told me something that I think is really important, and that's you know you got to always hold something back. You can't tell them everything you know uh, right at the outset because. You know, if they start to ask you questions, which hopefully if you've um, done your job well, you've engaged them to then ask some questions and interact with you, uh, you'll have something left to share, and you know that will appease their need to ask questions and hopefully won't tap you out of knowledge. And another thing that's uh, served me well is just being really comfortable with awkward silence and giving people time to ask a question or compose their thoughts to answer my questions. And that, again, I think of a, another mentor that, you know, he gave this great public speaking tip of, you know, you should always ask what questions do you have instead of do you have any questions. And then you count in your head silently for 10 seconds. And well, that can be a really agonizing 10 seconds when you're standing at the front of the room but it's oftentimes the time that people need to compose a question, you know, sort of put it together in their head of just what it is they want to ask. Uh, and then I like to just mix up the delivery, whether it, you know, um, you know, lecture, discussion, demonstrations, hands-on practice. And then maybe my final thought is that I really believe especially adult education, you know, the type I'm engaged in with teaching EMTs and paramedics and their continuing education, you've got to honor students' time, knowledge, and experience. And if you miss in one or more of those things, it really can complicate the process. You know, a lot of my students have full-time jobs on top of being a volunteer EMT. and you know, if I'm not honoring their time by being prepared and delivering something that's interesting and helpful to them uh, when they're in their training time, uh, they're gonna they're gonna get upset and rebel quickly. Our guest uh, on the line here is uh, uh, Greg Fries, uh, EMS uh, uh, educator and podcaster. Um, Something I I, I I enjoy talking with people about is um, you, know, um, you know why they chose what what they chose um, as far as a career. So uh, so the, for the people you know here listening live and who will listen later who are even considering um, a career um, in EMS, um, what is what is cool about uh, about being an EMS responder, being an EMS educator, uh, in your opinion? Well, you know, I think it, for me, 
It's a couple things. One is uh, I just do the actual patient care part-time. You know, the education work is really full-time. So, you know, for me, you know, I I feel really fortunate that I get to work on the ambulance when I want to work on the ambulance. And so for me, I really enjoy uh, the patient contacts and just the opportunity to serve somebody um, at their time of need, and since I don't do it very often, I don't get burnt out uh, or um, feel like people are taking advantage of me or the system. And uh, I, I've had some just amazing patient encounters uh, of people where you know you just ask one or two questions, and all of a sudden it opens up this amazing life story. Uh, the most notable recent one was we were inner facility transfer taking a, a guy with a, a headache from one hospital to the next hospital for some more diagnostics. He was in his 80s and, um, you know, just like I just said, well, what would you do here in this little town? And he said, well, after the war, I was a butcher. And I said, well, what would you do in the war? And he said, well, I was the, the bombardier on, in, the, in the nose of uh, B-17s and I flew missions over Germany, and when we would get near our target, I would look through the scope um, and sight in the target and then, you know, let the trigger go so the bombardier could, you know, so the bombs could release. And, you know, just the, just that opportunity to meet somebody like that and hear stories, you know, he flew 35 missions, um, which given the perils of that job was, is absolutely incredible. And, you know, the stories that he had of, uh, you know, going on leave in London and sighting in targets and watching uh, the planes and the formation next to him just going to dust. And, uh, you know, that was a real gift, I felt like, to have that opportunity. And so, you know, for me, it's just like the unknown and the excitement of what you might learn from a patient. And then I think another aspect is just uh, it's really humbling to see how other people live and to feel, you know, I'm really fortunate in what I've uh, attained in life and, and, you know, the happiness I have sort of mental health-wise and family and um, professionally. And, you know, I think it's really humbling. Uh, You know, I've had patients that live in trailers with dirt floors and no electricity uh, no phone, which you like, it just sort of blows my mind. And I've had patients where <clears throat> I suggest, you know, probably what will make you feel better is having something to eat. And then we kind of look around the house and realize there's nothing there for them to eat. And uh, I, I find that aspect of the job very humbling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 always uh, very interesting to me and and very interesting to my listeners as far as you know, um, kind of what things guided you earlier in life to where you're at uh, today. And and uh, you know, it's everybody's story is different as far as how they got to where they are today. So uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so let, let's kind of switch gears here and, and uh, talk about a little bit about uh, social media. Do, uh, I presume kind of your first exposure to it was probably blogs. Uh, do, do you remember kind of the first blogs that you were reading, or, or was it podcasting that you were first exposed to? Yeah, you know, I'm not totally sure. 
you know, I think I had, there was a sense that there's this thing called a blog. There was a, a the sort of pioneering EMS-related podcast was called EMSLive.com, and it was hosted by a paramedic in Nova Scotia, John Bignell. And I can't remember how I came across uh, John's podcast, um, but I just thought it was fascinating that I could uh, tune in either online or, you know, I finally had an iPod and I could listen to John talk about EMS in other parts of the world. And he included an education segment and he would bring on a guest. He had a regular contributor from uh, Texas, Chris Supron. And, and it was just like fascinating to me of like, you know, that EMS was bigger than what I was seeing in, in my area. And, you know, then that led me to, you know, because of my family motto of can I make a suggestion of uh, being on John's show as an occasional guest and then uh, working with John to do a podcast for the, the RTAC. And then, and then, you know, I think I had a, a business-related website, and it was just time to update it. And, you know, somebody suggested, well, you should just do a blog instead of a static website. And I was like, wow, I can write and update and post content whenever I want to. I'm there. Like, let's do it. And, you know, a thousand posts later on, you know, several different blogs, like here I am. So was uh, was everydayemstips.com, was that your first project, or did you have something before that? Well, when I coordinated the North Central Regional Trauma Advisory Council, we had this, like, uh, what do you call it, a CSS-driven, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know what the platform was, but where I could create pages and, and posts. Um, and then eps411.com, was the first site that I converted to a blog, and then I started a blog with Blogger. You know, EPS411.com was WordPress, and then I started a Blogger blog uh, just to share kid photos with the grandparents. And then I started EverydayEMSTips.com uh, April of 2009, um, where I do most of my blogging. And then uh, Dave Conning and I have a PIO social media training.com uh, blog and, and training program. PIO is public information officer. Uh, so I, I'm writing in a, a bunch of different uh, blog, different places. And then, of course, the EMS Educast uh, is based on a WordPress platform as well. So w when you first started, um, I guess, publishing things out there, did, did you have an idea of what you wanted to, to you know, the information that you wanted to share with, you know, the Internet, the world? <laughs> uh, well, I've been writing professionally, um, you know, really since graduate school of different trade publications. And, uh, and then I was fortunate enough to, to early on in my EMS career get published in EMS magazine and continue to do that pretty frequently. And I think... You know, what I've found is, like, I really enjoy writing sort of 200 to 700 words uh, where you can really, like, laser in on a specific topic uh, and then leave people with just, uh, boy, there must be more uh, about this and related. Um, you know, I do occasionally some feature writing, you know, where it's, say, four or 5,000 words. But I, I really like the short stuff 
and uh, action-oriented uh, things of like, you know, here's three things you can try or, you know, five tips to better patient assessment or, you know, three things I learned from Dr. Anonymous or, um, you know, five <laughs> hazards of distracted driving. <laughs> All right, let's get into it here. So, uh, so let, let me give people the background of of what uh, what we're going to get into. So, so what 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 I what I often do, and I you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to deny because it it's on my blog, DrAnonymous.com. Right. Is sometimes that I, um, you know, I, I do a little uh, video uh, while driving, and uh, on uh, Greg's uh, Twitter today, he. Uh, uh, linked to an article, I believe it was the New York Times, uh, entitled Gadgets in Emergency Vehicles Seen as Peril. Um, so that was an interesting article, but uh, I know that uh, he wants to bust me on uh, a distracted driving, so uh, um, I will let you uh, uh, go ahead and, well, uh, uh, and say what you're going to say. <laughs> well, consider yourself uh, formally cited for distracted driving. And I think here's what we know is that uh, any sort of distraction, you know, whether it be uh, changing your car radio, getting a piece of gum out of the, the dash, uh, like the glove compartment, using your cell phone to talk, send a text message, uh, turn on a, a, some sort of video camera, and then be speaking to that camera. Any of those things uh, can distract us from things happening in front of us and adjacent to us on the road and then put us at risk of uh, collision or hitting a pedestrian. And, um, you know, I think, you know, especially at highway speeds, just those distances uh, flow so quickly. And um, the reporter today, Matt Richtel, has been writing a whole series about distracted driving uh, for the New York Times, and I encourage anybody to sort of go back through the archives and, and, and read what he's written. I think, you know, it, it's concerning to me, uh, you know, partly because I, I care about you. I think you're a good guy. I don't want to see yourself uh, put yourself unnecessarily at risk. Uh, I'm also a parent, and... You know, I have young children, and I want to make sure that they're safe from other drivers. And and just the um, it's such a it's such an impulse for all of us that have cell phones and Blackberries and iPhones. The light blinks, and you want to check it. And you know, I've been uh, really trying to. You know, I've never done a, any video blogging, but certainly I've used cell phone and read a text message. I don't have the dexterity to type and drive, let alone type and walk, but um, I've been really trying to focus in the last few months on, like, how can I cut down my personal use of any of those sort of distractions in the vehicle? And then I really want to advocate for, you know, people not using their phone to text or talk while they drive and uh, Hands-free devices are a myth. There's no real difference in terms of the level of distraction uh, for your brain. And uh, so, Dr. Anonymous, uh, consider yourself cited, and uh, and hopefully you'll come up with a different way to announce upcoming shows other than video blogs, like video blogging while driving, a video blog <laughs> while parked, or there video blog while eating <laughs> breakfast, uh, because of the. <laughs> The comedy potential of uh, being distracted and putting your spoon into your nose or something would be 
uh, far superior to you uh, running into somebody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's a good point. It's a it's a very good point, and uh, um, you know I and and yeah, people probably should not be doing that. I probably should not be doing that. So uh, point well taken. And uh, the, actually, that that article and I didn't know that uh, that reported in a series of articles. I'll probably have to try to track those down. Uh, yeah. But uh, the, the one the one that you were in in your Twitter feed today, um, and I put it posted in the chat room. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty good article, so a lot of good points in there. Well, and I, I think it 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 pointed to. Uh, I thought the tone was good being in the field myself. I thought the tone was was good. The, the comments were pretty interesting, and just sort of like the anti law enforcement slant of a lot of comments that people wrote. But uh, you know, it highlights a, a real issue, and. Um, you know, my assumption responding to any traffic collision, and, and some of the other EMS folks in the room could probably attest to this as well, my assumption going to any collision is that uh, one or more of the drivers involved in the incident was either intoxicated or intoxicated, uh, meaning they were distracted by a phone. Um, and, uh, you know, so here we are sort of, dealing with the, the carnage on the streets and, uh, you know, we don't want to be guilty of that same thing of being distracted while driving a large vehicle uh, with a lot of, you know, with people in it. So precious cargo. Point well taken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it is a serious subject. I don't want to diminish it. Um, uh, but yeah, it is a, it's a very good point and a very good article. So I'll, I'll try to put that in the, uh, in the uh, in the show notes uh, for people who uh, who miss the show, um, our guest on the line is uh, Greg Fries. His uh, projects include uh, the Everyday EMS Tips blog slash website, also the EMS Education podcast, EMS ETU Cast. Uh, I do want to give a big shout out to people in the chat room here right now. We have Epi Junkie, we have Fire Critic, we have Girl 007, we have Jabulani, we have uh, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to mess this up. Harwetupa. Sorry about that. Uh, J-Man, Jeff Medic, Liz, Ramona, Jesse Berg, and A.P. Jonas, thank you all for uh, joining us here this evening. Um, uh, Greg, so I, uh, something that I've really learned, especially over the past uh, maybe month or so, is that um, kind of uh, in EMS uh, social media, EMS blogs and podcasts, and uh, fire, service, e- uh, fire service blogs and podcasts, they're, they're 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 more related than they're not. Um, uh, uh, can you explain that? As far as uh, um, I, I guess I, I guess people I guess like you who are who were involved or who are involved both on the fire service and um, on the EMS paramedic side, I guess that's kind of how they go together. Is that right? I'm not sure. Uh, just what the uh, the question is. The uh, so EMS around the country is provided a lot of different ways. Uh, in some places, it's called it's fire-based EMS, so the fire department that provides uh, an ambulance. Uh, they might uh, first respond in a fire truck and then also have a fire department ambulance. And then in other places, uh, maybe the hospital is running the ambulance service for a community. And in other places, you could have a private agency that's doing 911 service as well as inter-facility transfers. Or you could have some sort of like standalone uh, public agency where in a community they'd have a, uh, 
a, a fire department that stands on its own, a police department, and uh, an ambulance service. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I really, I really didn't realize until kind of listening and, and kind of getting a little bit in that community about, you know, how sometimes uh, you know, those are those are similar services, or uh, you know, people could be you know by, involved with the fire service and be a paramedic. Um, I just really didn't know that um, until right. kind of listening to some of these uh, podcasts and reading some of these blogs. It's, it's very interesting to me personally. Yeah, and you know, I think it's it, you know somewhat similar to your profession, right? Of like, you know, you could have a. I think you're having Dr. Lucy Hornstein on in a couple of weeks, and when I talked to her for the Medical Author Chat podcast, what I could gather was that she's just a a solo family physician, um, and, you know, other doctors are part of a, a big healthcare system or a hospital or, um, you know, you might have uh, a physician that specializes in, in a real sort of subspecialty or, or somebody that has sort of like broader uh, broader training, I guess. And, you know, somewhat that's uh, the case in EMS and, um, you know, not every ambulance has the same contingent of people that some systems might send out uh, two EMT basics and they have about 140 hours of training to become an EMT basic. Other systems have an EMT basic and a paramedic working together on an ambulance and a paramedic has, say, 1,200 hours or more of training. In other systems, it's a two-paramedic ambulance or um, you know, my good friend Kyle Bates works in a system where he responds in what's called a fly car as a paramedic, and then the ambulance comes with two basics on it, and depending on the patient's condition, if, if they need paramedic interventions and assessment, he'll go on the ambulance, and if the patient doesn't, then he just uh, lets the, the EMT basics uh, do the treatment and transport. And the other thing I've really learned is that the community, you know, the, the, the fire and EMS community <clears throat> in social media, uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty, I mean, it's great people, very driven uh, when there's a project out there, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, Chronicles of EMS or another type of project or um, you know, the, the, the Gen Med show people, they've been on this show before, um, you know, whatever project it is, whether it's social media or non-social media, uh, the people in that fire and EMS community, I mean, very driven. I've been very impressed kind of just seeing all of the different things uh, that that community does. And it's just incredible just for me just to kind of being an outsider looking at it. Well, yeah, and, you know, I think one of the things, uh, I think it's it's terrific too. And, you know, I'm just like really pleased with the connections I've made. Um, you know, I'm I'm podcasting with, uh, the EMS Edgecast with Rob Terrio in Ontario and Bill Toon in Kansas City, and we've talked to EMS educators around the world on our show. You know, we had one episode where we had an educator in Switzerland, us in North America, and another educator in New Zealand, all on the on the Skype chat at the same time, recording our show. And you know, for some of the people that I've met through the social media space, and then being able to meet in person like we did for the Chronicles of EMS premiere in San Francisco a few weeks ago or when we did uh, social media coverage at the EMS Expo conference 
last fall. You know, I went to the EMS Expo in Atlanta to work together with Chris Montera, Jamie Davis, Ted Setla, Chris O'Brien, and Chris Eldridge. And um, with the exception of Chris Eldridge. Hello? Hello? I think I think his Skype may have uh may have cut out there. Or my Skype cut out there a little bit. <laughs> so uh, uh I'm sure he'll probably call right back in. So uh, our guest uh who was on the line and then he'll probably uh, call back in is uh Greg Fries, uh um from everydayemstips.com. Um and uh let's see if uh let's see if this is him back there. Hello. Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't know I, how I, long I was talking in the thin air for. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've been having some Skype problems too recently. So, uh, so that is uh, that is uh, that is no problem. So, I, I think you were talking about EMS Expo and and uh, how you got to meet and, and work with some of the podcasters there. Yeah, and just this. Uh, you know, the connection that we've been able to formulate online has been enough for me to, you know, take the risk of uh, going to Atlanta to do work together. I've, I've started two new joint ventures based with people I've met through social media, you know, Jim Hoffman and EMS Boot Camp and the EMS Office Hours podcast. You know, Jim and I have never met in person. And I know, like, uh, Fire Critic is listening tonight, and him and uh, uh, John – I want to say John Daly, but it's John Mitchell of Fire Daily. You know, they've started a podcast uh, until last week. They'd never met, met online. And so you know, I just think it's, uh, you know, the some of the energy and, you know, it illustrates that uh, maybe locally there's not always enough critical mass of, of people that have the sort of specific passion that you might have for a certain aspect of EMS, but once you start reaching out uh, a wider sphere, all of a sudden you're, you're connecting with people in England and San Francisco and uh, Texas and Washington and all points in between and, and doing some really cool stuff. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and so, and I, I figure which, which podcast it is. Um, I think maybe your leadership podcast. And I did see on your Twitter feed, you know, you're talking about books. Uh, you know, I, 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 I enjoy stuff like, you know, the, the good to great book, Jim Collins and Lynchpin, uh, by Seth Godin. And, uh, I, uh, those are some good leadership type books. And, and I think, you know, the, the, uh, the medical community just in general can learn from some of these kind of business, uh, oriented type of books. Um, and, and I'm glad that you're, talking about and, and covering some of that type of literature. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I've always just loved reading. You know, I stand at the sink and read a book while I brush my teeth, and I read a book as I walk from one end of the house to the other. Um, you know, I tripped over my son a couple weeks ago because he was standing in the hallway, and I just walked right over him while I was, had my nose in a book. Um, so it's just always been something I've enjoyed, and then... You know, I like to, you know, when I do something or read something, try to, you know, what's this, how does this apply to me or what is interesting here that I can share with other people? Um, and then I, you know, I'm just really curious about the whole art of writing um, and, and telling stories, whether it be, you know, 
patient care stories or business how-to stories um, or even, you know, fiction. Um, but, yeah, you know, the interesting thing is, like, uh, I, somebody actually gave me their used Kindle recently, which I was very grateful for having, and I thought, oh, this is going to be terrific. And uh, I tried to buy good to great on the Kindle, but it's not available on the Kindle. And then I've just gotten wrapped up in a bunch of hardcover books I, I have, and I haven't uh, read anything on the Kindle yet. Uh, with all this other technology that surrounds me, you know, there I am with the actual real paper book still. He's <laughs> so old school. <laughs> um, let's see, we have 15 minutes left. I know, Greg, you had some, yeah. uh, uh, we, we talked a little bit before the show. I know you had some questions uh, for me, uh, but go ahead and yeah, fire away. I just, uh, yeah, I'm just curious how you got started uh, with a podcast. Um, I uh, I started back uh, reading blogs probably at the end of 2005. I was ill at the time and I wasn't doing anything for a week, um, so I started just reading just all just any kind of stuff. I, it wasn't even medical type of blogs. It was just uh, anything, and I and I. Um, uh, I started investigating to see, you know, what kind of stuff in medicine was out there. And uh, um, uh, the, the first blog that I read uh, uh, was called uh, Fat Doctor. Um, for people in the, in the med bloggers know who that is. Um, and uh, so I started getting uh, interested in that. And I started my, I started my blog first. Um, and then about a year went by. And then uh, I started experimenting with other other types of things, and that's how I started. I did some pre-recorded podcasts first, and uh, really didn't like that. Really didn't like that experience. So, um, so I found this uh, live platform, and I kind of went back and forth between TalkShoe and this Blog Talk Radio platform. And uh, uh, so I've been doing this, uh, I guess, almost three years now. So, uh, so I, did you I do really any, like, yeah, go ahead. Did you do any broadcasting before, like? You know, were you a, a radio, like, did you actually work in radio at any point, or? No, never, never. My, the, my, 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 first, the, my first shows here were just awful, and it's just like, you know, this is show <laughs> number 150 or something like that, so worked out all the kinks. I had a bunch of Skype issues for the first maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 shows, um, and then it just kind of just yeah. came doing it again and again and again, and uh, it just... Uh, um, I, I definitely have the the face for radio. Uh, yeah, <laughs> don't we all? The but you know I really like your intro. I just thought your the sort of personality and uh, intonation and pacing of that was just so much fun. And uh, you know that's why I was wondering if you had broadcast experience outside of this podcast. But 153 episodes. That's great. Now, do you record? Um, on your computer, or do you let Blog Talk Radio do the recording for you? No, I, I uh, uh, I'm, I'm lazy, so uh, they do all the processing uh, for me. And uh, what's good about this platform is that um, you know they, they just process it, and uh, it's uh, it's up on the website less than an hour um, after the end of the show. So, uh, so yeah. that's what I like about it. Um, so, and then I can just put it out on Twitter. And then uh, post it on my blog, a show, and some show notes, and and then I'm done. And a lot of it too is just just my time factor. It's just like you know, everybody's everybody's time is crunched. But but right. uh, I I probably could not do a pre-recorded podcast because I did a pre-recorded podcast, and then the editing would just drove me nuts. So I said I don't right. want to edit anything. So everything's live. 
I don't edit any of these uh, shows, and and uh, and it's up right away. So I've really enjoyed, and, and I love the chat room, uh, and I, I love uh, getting all these people just making fun of me in the chat room, uh, and that's uh-huh. always fun. And and I really I really think that 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 is the you know really the future of the social media is this is this real time now. Uh, what's going on, and and getting the the blog or podcast up uh, as soon as possible so people can react to it. That's really where I think things are going. Well, and you know that's uh, I think one of the things that's neat about this platform too is that um, you know a lot of education is you know subject matter expert in front pushing content out to the audience, and then you know depending on the skill of the educator and the sort of willingness of the audience to play along, they might engage uh, back with the subject matter expert. But when you do something like Blog Talk Radio where you're delivering live with the chat room um, or even a webinar, uh, it really changes the dynamics of the audience being able to interact really freely with the host, but they also interact with each other. And you know, there's conversations that might continue after you and I end the show where somebody says, oh, you know, I'm not following Epi Junkie on Twitter, but I should. Uh, she looks interesting, um, and we have some shared interests. And then all of a sudden, um, they spin into their own uh, conversation. You know, the, the piece with editing, one of the questions I, I do – Uh, quite a bit of uh, presenting and talking to educators about how they can be using social media for uh, as an education activity and that's one of the questions I get oftentimes is like how do you find time for all this and you know I one of the ways that I save time is I don't edit either I think it's way overrated in in terms of uh, podcasts of like post-production and you know, for me, like if I sneeze or the dog barks in the middle of a podcast, you know, it just tells people I'm human, right? And um, since for so many of us this is a hobby, you, know, you just don't have time to do two or three hours of editing for a 30-minute podcast. And, and same thing with blog posts. Uh, you know, I get an idea, I write it, I'll post it, I'll look at what it looks like online, I'll skim it see if I find any problems, and then I just hope for the best. And, you know, if, if people turn away because I miss a comma or uh, I use there instead of there, I guess that's, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and for that type of content, I mean, that's perfect. I, I've had a, a bunch of storytellers on the show here, and I enjoy talking with them about their process, about how they tell a story. And I understand why that can be pretty heavily edited because, you know, they want to convey a certain story at a certain pace. And that's a lot right. different than kind of what you and I do as far as kind of just quick information or a bullet point of lists and stuff like that. So, so that's something right. I've really appreciated is that it's a different way of writing or a different way of podcasting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, there's lots of ways. And, um, you know, in the chat room, they've actually been talking about a book that was written by a guy named Morgan Lawrence, uh, uh, The Streets Ran Red. Um, and I actually just interviewed him yesterday for a podcast I host called The Medical Author Chat, where I interview uh, paramedics and nurses and physicians that have written, you know, say novels or memoirs or how-to or, 
or business books even, uh, creative writing about, you know, just what is their book about, you know, why did they write it, what did they learn in the writing process, their advice. And, you know, one of the things that he and I talk about when you'll be able to hear when the episode posts is that um, he wrote his book in the mid-1980s and then, um, it just he just wasn't ready to give it up and wanted to keep uh, tweaking it and fixing it and working on it. And it wasn't until 2008 that he actually had it published. Um, and so, you know, there was a storyteller that, that really hung on to the thing for a long time before, you know, he felt like it was right and that he could also, like, share it with the world. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, those are those are interesting interviews as far as um, how they come up with just just from a concept and then right. to kind of when they publish it, and it's uh, yeah. very different than what you and I do. But basically, for me, because it's just my attention deficit type of thing, and I <laughs> I, I don't have the patience to to you know yeah. to craft something like that. Uh, right. Uh, but it's, it's hey. fascinating talking with people who can. Do you have any patients of your patients that listen to you or any new patients that have been like, whoa, I recognize your voice? Uh, has that happened to uh, you yet? Or do you, no, no, it hasn't. know that you podcast and blog? No, they don't, uh, even in this small town. And actually, I, I, I do some TV interviews for, for the local TV station here, uh, just right. on health topics and things. Um, and more people have seen that, but uh, uh, but yeah, not not really anything as far as my podcast or or uh, uh, my blog or anything like that. So, but but I think I think they're starting to hint towards it because uh, um, on my Facebook page I do link to some of this social media type of stuff, blog and podcast, and I think some of them are trying to find uh, you know, they are finding it a little bit. But I, I don't uh, I don't come out front and say you know I have a podcast and this is what it is. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, that's kind of different because, like, uh, you know, a lot of, like, uh, small-town newspapers feature a weekly column by a physician, right? You know, uh, you know, one of my physician friends here in Stevens Point writes a syndicated column. And, um, he, you know, because he's in the newspaper, anybody and everybody could know about it. And they'd be like, hey, Dr. Wojo, I saw, I saw your column last week. And um, he can interact with them. Um, because it, it's out there and, you know, arguably your podcast is as accessible um, and in front of, you know, ex by anybody in your community. Um, but, you know, it might not be something that your clinic or hospital, like if you started writing a weekly column for your local newspaper, your hospital that you work for would probably issue a press release, you know, like uh, Dr. A is, you know, have this weekly column and about health tips. Uh, but I wonder if they would, if you said, hey, I do this podcast and it might be interesting for, you know, people interested in healthcare in our community, if they would send out a press release for you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and something that, that's really interesting kind of is as kind of my media, social media evolution is that um, all of this social media stuff, uh, whether it's blogging or podcasting or, you know, how I sound on the Internet radio here. Um, it's really kind of prepared me to do some of the mainstream stuff I'm doing now as far right. as uh, yeah. being inter interviewed on, you know, local TV. And if I didn't do this stuff beforehand, I would not know anything about pacing, 
you know, and, and uh, you know, getting, you know, I've really learned, uh, especially working with TV, that you really need to go for the sound bite, you know, for that 30-second thing. And, and you know, not doing this, you know, this Internet radio show for two and a half years, I would have never have learned that uh, at all. And right. I would have just been just fumbling around. Or, or if somebody wanted me to write something, I know exactly how to focus it in 50 words or 100 words just from my blogging experience. So it's interesting right. the, the experience I've gotten just from doing all the social media stuff as a hobby. Yeah. Do you have other physicians that are seeking you out for advice and, and sort of how to get started? Um, or is it, or most, I think what, you know, a lot of uh, paramedics at least kind of like, well, I'm just going to, you know, you get started fumbling around and then you realize, whoa, there's other people doing this. Maybe I should ask for some advice. You know, what have you found? Uh, yeah, there's, and, and in fact, in, in, uh, I'm going to embarrass him here in our chat room, uh, our uh, AP Jonas, he's a, uh, um, he, he's been uh, one of my uh, social, uh, not social, or uh, family medicine mentors uh, coming up through the ranks as a student and a resident and now uh, um, as an attending doctor. And uh, uh, he, he has uh, you know, shot me some emails or Twitter. He's on Twitter now about, hey, this is great that you're doing this. And so it, it's kind of, I think it's starting a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, not, not really that much yet. I think it's because just in general, you know, physicians um, have been kind of, you know, on a slow uptake on, you know, not only like social media, but just like electronic uh, computers in general and, and uh, you know, without having to get into the whole topic of electronic medical records and that whole thing. So, but I think physicians have been just kind of behind the curve on some of this technology stuff. Yeah, well, and but there is a, a, a fairly vibrant, you know, I guess, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, one of the interesting things, and I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, you know, you were asking about the community, is, you know, there's a risk of, you know, I talked to Firecritic and Podmatic and, you know, all these different bloggers and and podcasters and EMS, and you, you think, oh, it's so cool and so many people are involved, and, you know, and then you kind of do the math and like, whoa, you know, there's this uh, Ning network just for EMS professionals, and we only have, say, 8,000 people in it, and they're from all over the world. And here in the United States, there's like 900,000 EMTs and paramedics. And so, you know, just such a, a small fraction of the profession is participating and creating and contributing and engaging. Um, and that's uh, something always uh, – always that uh, I'm sort of thinking about is like, how do you broaden the audience and invite more people in? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when, when I first started um, and I've talked about it on the show before, you know, I was, you know, very, very focused on my stats and this and that, and it drove me nuts for, I don't know, a year or a year and a half <laughs> and, until I just kind of let it go. You know, when, yeah. you know, all, all the people, you know, who've done this for a while said, you need to let it go. You need to focus on, you know, what you love to do. You just need to focus on the content and, you know, bringing on good people or just talking about what you want to talk about. You know, don't go for the whole, you know, SEO keyword, try just trying to get more hits on your site. That'll just drive you nuts. And I, and it took right. me a long time to really understand that. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've, I, I go back and forth, you know. I'm kind of a junkie still for looking at my Google Analytics and, and trying to figure that out, and uh, I'm 
you know, I have this entrepreneur uh, streak and, you know, I've got two little kids and I, how do I justify all this time on social media? You know, how can I make some money um, at least to cover some of the expenses of equipment and web hosting um, and maybe put a little bit more. Uh, so I, I'm still trying to analyze it and understand it and, you know, tr try to lead the conversation and uh, of why an advertiser in our industry at least should should think about using podcasts or blogs as a way to connect uh, with their purchasers. Yeah, I mean the whole um, you know the whole monetization type question, um, and uh, that, that, that's interesting. When I go to some of these conferences, the most popular sessions are the ones about monetization. But when you talk about monetization, no no one really knows what the answer is. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, yeah. it's kind of really—it's really unique to an industry, or it's really unique to a person, or to the blog, or the podcast. There's no kind of general rules. I mean, there's there's no shortcut on how to make money if you can make money on this deal. Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't solved that yet myself, so I'm trying, and um, you know, in the end, though, I just keep coming back to well, if we create compelling content. And, you know, I think you just invite people to talk about it and share it and engage with you that sooner or later uh, somebody will say, oh, I want to be part of that. And uh, I think there's a, you know, at least in the EMS industry, there's this sort of growing awareness that maybe has already happened in, say, like the airlines or hotels of, People are going to talk about your services and products online, whether you're there or not. Um, and so I think the, the the publishers of textbooks and software and equipment vendors are starting to think about, well, how do we establish a presence? And um, you know, one of the great things about social media is it's so accessible. Uh, you know, really anybody can do it. And then you know, do you just try to grow your own thing or do you latch on with the Dr. Anonymous show or Medical Author Chat or EMS Educast? You know, where do you go? And um, But it's it's interesting to be a part of and to watch. So, uh, so where do you kind of see things going as far as social media and, uh, and EMS uh, in the future? I mean, do, do you see the thing kind of continuing to grow? Do you, do you see using different platforms? Um, you know, even addition of video, in addition to audio and blogging and things, do you see that kind of direction, or do you see a different direction, or just don't have any idea where things are going? Well, yeah, it's tough to look into the future, isn't it? You know, as I talk to educators, um, you know, I still, I, and I was really surprised about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I had about. Uh, 70 educators in a conference session and I was using these audience response pads where I'd put a question up on the screen and they would click and that would display their results and we're polling um, and um, you know I put up a question like you know how many EMS related blogs do you read in a week and I can't remember the exact results but it was like 70% or more of them either answered none or they didn't know what a blog was and then it was an even higher percentage when I asked about EMS-related podcasts. They either didn't know what a podcast was or 
um, they didn't listen to any. And so, you know, I think, you know, if if you saw me dress, you would never accuse me of being a trendsetter. But I think we're really like out in front of our audience in terms of, you know, we're creating content. You know, I think like Jamie Davis has more than 200 episodes of the Metacast, um, but still it's such a small slice of the, the potential audience of EMS professionals knows about him. And, you know, so I think there's like great opportunity for growth. Um, I also, you know, continue to be surprised and, you know, I don't know if you would find this in, in with nurses and physicians, but the number of EMS educators or field providers that say things to me like, well, Greg, uh, I don't, or my service or my students, they don't do the computer. Um, and so how, what value would a podcast or a blog or a YouTube video be because they don't, they don't do the computer. And, you know, that, it's just, just sort of mind-boggling to me of, of really, you know, they don't, they don't go online ever or they don't send an email, like really? Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of people, the educators that, you know, have a lot of anxiety about technology and because of that, they're not going to push their students into doing the computer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that. Um, so we're lucky uh, but, but, we got an audience that's doing the computer tonight and listening to us. Exactly, exactly. Um, I know you probably mentioned this already, but before I let you go, I, I did want I did want to uh, to talk a little bit about the the uh, emergency preparedness systems LLC. What 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 is that? Uh, what is that company about? What do what do you guys do there? Yeah, so that's a, a company that I founded, and we've got a a couple of different directions. I think a fairly common thing when somebody thinks, you know, I'm going to be a consultant is you, you know, imagine my arms are spread wide apart right now and you think of all these different things that you can do, services you can provide. And then over time, based on what you actually can get managed to get paid for and where you'd start to develop more and more expertise, uh, you laser in on a very specific uh, set of, of of services that you're going to provide, and so I I started out very broadly where I was doing classroom training and tabletop exercises for mass casualty events and helping write uh, emergency plans and and one of the things that I just kept getting asked to do was like, well, we got this training, but we want to deliver it online and. You know, how do we take this PowerPoint and put it into a learning management system? So that's where I've narrowed emergency preparedness systems. The name probably isn't as reflective as the work as, uh, as it could be, but, you know, our focus right now where we've lasered in on is online education for emergency responders. And most of that is narrated flash movies that go into learning management systems, uh, and then to a lesser extent is uh, articles and podcasts and webinars and whether it and it kind of takes three different pathways. One is somebody comes to us with an idea and they say, you know, we want to 
a class developed about um, an ST elevation myocardial infarction, go. And we develop a 30-minute lesson about that. Or they say, we've got this classroom program, it's eight hours, you know, we want to do four hours online and then the other four hours in the classroom, can you convert it? And then the, the third phase would be somebody says, well, I want to learn how to do online training and then I teach them how to do it. Great, great. Uh, so, Greg, thank you uh, so much for being on the show. Uh, uh, do you have any yeah. closing thoughts uh, for us uh, before I let you go here tonight? Well, closing thoughts, that's like, you know, you've just given me an opportunity to, you know, say, can I make a suggestion? Uh, and I think it's uh, for people, obviously, they've gotten some start in social media by listening to this show. Uh, and if you're an educator, uh, just try to think about how you might use social media for as education activities and learning and not be fearful of YouTube um, or Facebook or Twitter or having a class blog. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities there and certainly um, people are welcome to contact me. You've been sharing a bunch of things in your show notes of different ways to get a hold of me uh, and happy to connect with folks and talk about those things. and do training programs, and then, of course, the, the podcast that I'm involved in, uh, the EMS Educast for EMS educators, EMS Office Hours, is just essentially an open line show uh, for people just to want to talk about different aspects of EMS, and then uh, the Medical Author Chat is, is really uh, could be a general audience podcast for people that love books and want to hear authors talk about their books. I'd encourage people, if you just uh, search on iTunes for medical author chat, I think I've got 10 or 12 episodes now, and I recorded six of them yesterday, so there's more to come. And that's just really been a thrill for me to uh, talk to authors about their books. And I guess if people also, oh, they've read a book by a physician or a nurse or a paramedic, and they want to hear that author talk about their book, uh, feel free to, to send me that 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 book author's name and and book title and I guess my final thought would be if you're a book author boy it's amazingly hard to get a hold of you I, I just uh, I find people say oh you should interview so-and-so and then for the life of me I can't find an email address for the author or a publisher will say it's our policy not to uh, forward emails to authors Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've had that suggestion too of interviewing some authors, and uh, it is just so hard to to get in touch with them. How, how do you find? Well, I mean, I guess there's some suggestions on how to find your guests, but how do you finally try to nail it down? I mean, you just kind of go back to the publisher. Well, a couple ways. One is if somebody suggests uh, author to me, I say, well, help me find them. That's one way. I've used uh, Twitter um, to find people, and then. I've also had a couple of the authors now that I've re interviewed have referred um, people to me. You know, I, I haven't, as far as I know, I haven't talked to anybody that's like a New York Times bestseller. Uh, they're generally people that are, are self-publishing or very small uh, print-run books, and I think those authors talk to each other and say, "Oh, how did you know? How did you get the word about out about your book? I got." You know, I printed a thousand books, and I still have 850 of them in my, you know, my linen closet. I need to move some books. Uh, what what should I do? And 
So I've gotten a couple people now that have said, oh, I'm on a blog book tour or a podcast book tour uh, because you know, so-and-so told me to try to get on your show. So yeah, those are and, some different things that have worked. Uh, in fact, next uh, week from today, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, Dr. Lucy Hornstein, and uh, kind of part of my research was was listening to your interview uh, with her because okay. uh, I have been I've never heard her interviewed uh, before. I've just read a lot of articles and things, and it was nice to hear her voice, and and uh, I, I enjoyed your interview with her. So uh, so she'll be on here next week. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was that was really interesting, and as you know, probably having done 150 episodes is. Uh, you know, you have some guests where you think, you know, uh, I think they'll have a lot to say, and then you realize, like, whoa, what are we going to talk about here? This isn't going anywhere. Uh, but she just was so friendly, and, um, you know, I found that we're not just talking about books. We get into, you know, how do you end up in this place where you're going to write a book? And, you know, we kind of wander around, and I think that's pretty interesting, too, at least for me. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to it. Um, Greg, so thank, thanks again for being on the show. It, it was, it was nice to connect with you. I've, I've heard you on a, a bunch of podcasts, um, some of your own, and, and some of you guesting on other uh, podcasts, and, and uh, uh, reading some of uh, what you write. And uh, uh, it was, it was great to talk to you. And uh, you know, I, I hope uh, we'll be able to bring you back, and, and we could talk more about stuff, especially education. I, I'm really interested in, in the. Uh, your, your interest and passion in education. I can really hear that in your voice. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to come back. I love an audience, and, you know, so I'd be happy to. And, you know, just let me know, and, and we'll we'll figure it out. Great, great. Uh, Greg Fries, the Everyday EMS Tips uh, website and EMS Educast. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Have a, a great evening. Okay, we'll see you later. All right, kids. So, uh, so that's all I have for you here this evening. My thanks to Greg Fries for uh, for being on the show. A uh, uh, great guy, great interview, um, and uh, 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 part of the uh, uh, you know the, the awesome, and which I know is overused, but the the great uh, fire and EMS uh, community out there in the social media. I encourage you to check him out. The Everyday EMS Tips uh, website and the EMS Educast are, are, are part of his uh, part of his repertoire, part of his projects uh, there. And uh, yeah, yeah, he did bust me there on uh, <laughs> on uh, video blogging and uh, and driving. So I, I should really, uh, yeah, I really should stop doing that. <laughs> no, I'm you know I'm not I'm not making fun of it. It's yeah, it is unsafe, and I uh, I appreciate him. Busting me and uh, 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 you know, calling me out on that, so I, I probably really shouldn't, uh, really shouldn't do that. Uh, so, but thanks a lot for joining us here. I do want to give, give a big, big shout out to people in our, still in our chat, especially Javilani in there, uh, uh, checking it all the way from the UK. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we're in, it is in the middle of the night. Uh, I am uh, humbled by people who get up in the middle of the night uh, to listen to this show live. So, very much. Appreciate that. We still have AP Jonas and Jeff Medic and Jesse Ferg and Liz in the chat room here uh, this evening. Uh, yeah, so one week from tonight uh, will be uh, Lucy Hornstein, MD, author and also uh, blogger. Uh, you may uh, know her a little bit better. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get her uh, blog wrong here. Uh, she is uh, from uh, Musings of a Dinosaur blog. 
So uh, I very much enjoy that. She calls me out too on some things too, and which she's written on her blog. So, uh, uh, so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit next week. And uh, I do want to mention uh, her book too before we call it a night here. Uh, Declarations of a Dinosaur, 10 Laws I've Learned as a Family Doctor. You can find that on Amazon. And we'll be talking about that and her blog. And also for people who are going to be around this Saturday night, um, I'm going to be having a, a show at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be right before the Anyboro Live show. Uh, they will be having their uh, their annual drunk show. It's not what you think. Um, they are trying to promote... Uh, 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 responsibility when consuming alcohol and especially not drinking and driving. Uh, so they'll be on at 10 p.m. Eastern time this Saturday night, but I'll be on an hour before uh, just to kind of warm up the crowd there. So if you're available uh, Saturday night, uh, March 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you'll be able to uh, join me live. And one week from tonight will be Dr. Lucy Hornstein talking about her book and about her blog um, and that's all I have for you here this evening. So uh, thanks a lot uh, for joining me. Uh, I ha- hope you're having a good week and uh, have a good weekend. And I will find a song to uh, close out here on, and I will try not to talk over it uh, for our guest. So I am Dr. Anonymous. You can find me at dranonymous.com, dranonymous.net, dranonymous.com. O-R-G. That's all I have for you to hear this evening. Good night, everybody.